Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. Brace yourself for a strike, parents. You ready to not send your kids to school on Monday? Oh, jeez. Here we go. <laughs> it, it stinks. It really does. This whole situation stinks. Literally. Uh, I've been sent some pictures from friends who have kids going to a local high school here, and the uh, the gymnasium and the hallways are absolutely filthy. Hmm. It's about the support staff, and that includes custodians, and apparently the custodians are not cleaning hallways and, and common areas right now, just cleaning the classrooms. And we were kind of knocking them for that, and whoever negotiated this last contract were like, well, why wouldn't you put it in the contract that they have to clean everything? Seems obvious. Just got a, a message here. I don't know if this person is a, cons- a custodian or uh, if they're involved with the, with the strike at all, but they say the reason is because they don't want to include those areas in the square footage of the school because then they'd have to hire more custodians for each school. So they, they hire custodians based on square footage square of the footage, property. Yeah, exactly, to clean, which makes sense, right? Now, how much area there is to clean on a, or maintain on a, a daily basis. Uh-huh. And we've got a call here from somebody who has a little inside track. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I'm involved in that, and I just want you to know that, yes, absolutely, that uh, the, that is how things are, are measured. So that's the reasoning behind what the current you know custodial staff and maintenance staff are doing. And just two other things is that we've never been on strike since I've been, like, 30 years. You are on the custodial side of things. You're not a I teacher. Am. Okay, that's yeah. correct. I, was, I wasn't saying you guys strike every other year. I was no, saying how teachers, many lost days right, yeah. of school. Like, what... Every... Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And we don't want this to happen. I just want to say two quick things, or actually just one. That the average uh, salary, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, of the support staff in our system is 38000 a year right now currently. So that ought to, that's part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing. And they want, the second thing is they want concessions. They want to strip us down. Uh-huh. Okay, they're taking away from us. Okay, not only are they not giving us anything, and I think the public doesn't, fully understand that, and I, and I expect them not to, but the average salary for a support staff worker is $38,000 a year. What are they trying and, to take away from you? Um, they're stretching out benefits, job security, several things. Some of the most important things that matter to us, for It's sure. odd that the teachers uh, union is so powerful, yet the custodial union kind of gets the raw end of the deal. Uh, that's, that's a tough one to answer. I have my own philosophy on that, but I'm probably not going to share that, <laughs> but... Uh, um, like I said, I, I, it's hard to believe that, like I say, in, in this day and age, and especially, like I say, without, like, we're, not even, we're never even offered the rate of inflation. Have you so. stopped cleaning uh, anything but a classroom now? Well, we've had to. I mean, we've, we've been, our union has, has, you know, has asked us to, so we've done that. Um, so, yeah, and it's, it's extremely hard for us to do that. Because you care so. about these kids, right? You want them to have a comfortable, sanitary environment when they come to school every day. Well, I think, like I say, anybody that's, you know, known a custodian or maintenance staff, EAs, ECEs, you know, um, our administrative staff or secretarial staff, anybody who knows any or has ever been involved with somebody like that, they always remember them from school. Totally. Because they do, because they do care. Yeah, and they get the tennis balls off the roof. <laughs> you betcha, all the time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I always feel like the custodians were the most relatable, and you'd always see them in the halls, they were always friendly. 
You know, they're yeah. they're a, like a big part of the school experience. Well, and the responsibility, um, maintenance as well, uh, even our administrative staff, everyone, our responsibility is well beyond cleaning. Like, and I mean well beyond cleaning. I work on a day shift, so mine is uh, certainly um, preventative maintenance with a lot of, like, your heating, your cooling, everything, your lighting, your parking lot safety, glass here, broken this. Like, that's all our responsibility. So people need, you know, I mean, checking everything, you know, to make sure that everything is safe for the morning. And we have to go through a lot. My paperwork is huge on a weekly basis, so... Our responsibility is there. Our pay just doesn't reflect it. And it's just that we're getting stripped down. And it's, like I say, after a long time, it's, it's time. Well, thank you for sharing with us, and, and we'll let you go. You've got some hallways not to, I do. Not to clean. Yeah, yeah, I do not. That's right. And I am busy. Thank you so okay. much for listening. Thanks, man. Take care, guys. Bye. The phones are still ringing. Hey, it's Taz and Jim. So uh, I just wanted to chime in on the uh, custodian thing. Yeah, the support staff going on strike in the schools, possibly. So my brother is a custodian, mm-hmm. and we grew up dairy farming. And my other brother and I work uh, in a family business, a repair shop. And my brother says they get paid not to work. It is that simple for the amount of money. Custodians do? Why are you throwing your brother under the bus like this? <laughs> well, he, he's honest. What, yeah. do you mean, what does that mean, though? Honest, it's a gravy chain. I don't understand what you mean. They get paid not to work. So being a custodian well, so is an easy it's job, so easy is what you're what saying. They do, and they complain about what they have to do. So they, 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 they get used to not working, and when they do have to work, the, it's an issue. Yes, it, it, it is an issue. Hmm. And Well, it's, it's, it's an issue for the fact they just want something more for nothing. Maybe your brother's just lazy. Oh, I, I'm not sure about that. I'm not asking you to put me on the radio or anything okay. like that. Well, but it's I it's to too late. It. It's too late. Well, anyways, uh, I don't know what else to say, but it's not that bad of a deal for what he says he does. Thank you. I'm sure your brother thanks you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to be on that custodian, that... Elementary school custodian gravy train, oh, Jim. Oh, living the dream. It's a gravy train with biscuit wheels. <laughs> We're just there for the ride. A lot of wide-ranging opinions on this one, eh, Taz? Yeah, obviously. We knew there was going to be. There's there's lazy people in every profession. There's mm-hmm. lazy people. There's people who take uh, a lot of pride and passion in what they do. I'm sure that's true with custodians. Exactly. It's the same with teachers, police, everybody. Radio announcers. Radio, oh, God. They're right. the worst. <laughs> My brother doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's a gravy train. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I wish I could be a garbage collector, too. What a gravy train. Uh, I like how he's gave a lot of specific details about his family too. He gives it. I'm a dairy farmer. I work way harder than custodians. <laughs> We're getting a lot of those messages Uh-oh. too. Everyone yep. wants to let uh, let custodians know that th- their job is harder than than your job, right? And supports have my job. I work way harder, and I never complain, and I've never been on yeah. strike. You know what, though, these guys and, and girls are doing something about it. They're if they're not satisfied, they're putting their foot down and saying no more. So at least they're standing up for themselves. They're the ones with the mops behind the gravy train, mopping up <laughs> all the all the gravy.
October the 4th, 2019. Taz and Jim here this weekend. London Comic Con is in town at RBC Place, which is the convention center downtown. You got comic book artists and writers on hand. You're going to have your professional wrestlers in the house. You've got actors from movies, TVs. Tim Curry, Pennywise, the original Pennywise the Clown is going to be there. And you've got some members of the cast of the show X-Files at London Comic Con this weekend. This show, X-Files, was huge in the 90s, man. Mm -hmm. It was a phenomenon. And one of the guys that stood out and became a pivotal part of the X-Files, William B. Davis, the cigarette-smoking man, He's on the phone with us. Now, William, you started out on that show as kind of like a background guy, and you became a big part of it. Did you know that your role was going to develop like that, and did you know that The X-Files was going to be a hit when you first booked that gig? We had no idea the show would be so successful. Certainly when I auditioned for it, um, I just assumed it was a one-off. Nice to get this little gig in a pilot where I didn't have any lines and really didn't think anything more about it. So it was uh, it was a huge surprise when, first of all, the show got, became so successful. Uh, secondly, when my role went from non-speaking to quite pivotal to the whole story. And uh, thirdly, that the show became really part of the zeitgeist and uh, uh, known all around the world. So... Yeah, that was an, that was an, an amazing uh, and unexpected adventure. Yeah, like you, you, your role wasn't even a speaking role. And didn't you end up, spoiler alert, didn't you end up being Mulder's father? Yes, uh, so it would seem. <laughs> <laughs> like, talk about a 180. <laughs> yeah, your name is yeah. Smoking Man. Sounds like an extra in the background, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, they did call a lot of characters like that, they there was the smoking man, the well manicured man, the, mm -hmm. the red haired man. There was, but uh, I guess yeah, the two of us, the well manicured man and the smoking man, we were we were the ones most uh, strongly uh, connected to the storyline. Speaking of aliens being big, uh, you're you, you don't believe in aliens or anything paranormal, despite being on the show. You're actually a huge <laughs> skeptic. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I. Uh, in fact, uh, it was sort of, uh, I mean, I was all, I've always been somewhat skeptical. I have a degree in philosophy, and I think based on that was why I wanted to study philosophy was because I was a skeptic. But um, what really kind of surprised me with this show was people had kind of assumed that I was doing the show because I believed in these things, and they would come and talk to me about Area 51 or want to take me on skywalks or whatever, and i say, you know, I don't really believe in this stuff. I'm not Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah, you don't, they say. Like, That's the Taz no, Show no, podcast. You know, Make sure to, to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, you can tune in on the radio, 95.9 on the uh, dial in the William, London area. I was watching the, the footage of the raid on Area 51. I was kind of hoping I'd see you just smoking a cigarette in the background of the news reports. Yeah, that would have been cute. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. Do you get tired of talking? Because I'm sure you're, you're doing these conventions and uh, meeting all the X-Files fans. Do you get tired of talking about aliens? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's, it's, uh, 
but not too much. I mean, we, you know, we also talk about uh, the the industry and the business and being an actor. And and uh, one thing I'm excited about coming to London is that you know it's so close to my hometown uh, that you know I grew up in Toronto. The first part of my career was all in Canadian theater, which I have a great uh, affection for. You got to know Donald Sutherland very well when you were starting out your acting career, I understand, from there. Um, yes, yes. We uh, uh, In our early days, I remember we did some stage crew together. We we shook a thunder sheet together to make the sound of thunder Classic. back in the days when that's just, how you did it. It's just like a metal, uh, a thin metal sheet, right? Exactly, yeah. We rattled it. and uh, Then subsequently, uh, I was running a, a summer stock company and we had him come and play in Harvey for us. And then I didn't see him for, you know, quite a few years. We, we connected again in England and I ended up directing him in, uh, in Two for the Seesaw in British Rep. Oh, great. So, yeah, so we have we go back a long way. And does he remember shaking that thunder sheet as well, or is that a one-sided uh, memory? You no, know, I'm not sure if he remembers that exactly, <laughs> but I know he remembers very well his experience at Heart House Theatre at the University of Toronto because we both together became donors to the to that theatre. So, so he certainly remembers the theater in general, whether he remembers the thunder sheet in particular, I don't know. William B. Davis is on the phone with us. Actor, you know him as the cigarette-smoking man from the X-Files. Those cigarettes that you smoked back on the X-Files, were they actual cigarettes or were they stage cigarettes? The first um, first episode, they were actual cigarettes because um, I wasn't expecting to do any more. And, I, uh, and so was the second. But I was a reformed smoker at the time, so... By the time we got to the third episode, I thought, uh-oh, I'd better not be smoking real cigarettes. And so we switched to these herbal cigarettes, and that's what we used after that. Do you think if The X-Files was created in this day and age, your character would have been the vaping man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would have quite the same. Yeah, it's less <laughs> sinister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, thanks for your time. If you want to uh, meet William B. Davis... He's going to be at London Comic-Con this weekend. All the details are online at fm96.com. How dare you f***ing disrespect me to tell me how much you did. you got to be f***ing kidding me, you spoiled brat. F*** you. <laughs> Robert De Niro leaving a, his little voicemail for his, uh, his personal assistant, uh, an employee of his who he's in a legal battle with. He sued her. She's suing him now, saying that he uh, discriminated her based on her gender and he harassed her in the workplace. Uh, $12 million is what she's going after. Uh, it's funny because Robert De Niro just, he was on the roast of Alec Baldwin, and a lot of the jokes were about that voicemail that Alec Baldwin left his daughter years ago. Yeah, he called her a little piggy and yeah. a bunch of rude stuff. You're a pig. Yeah. Um, I wonder if De Niro knew at that time that this voicemail was only <laughs> a couple weeks from being leaked to TMZ. I wonder. And making like making fun of himself in a way. Yeah, just like... <laughs> This is so. This is what I'm about to go through. I know. I know. De Niro's a little older, but he should have sent a uh, a Snapchat instead. Something that's deleted right after, because the voicemail is permanent. This message will self destruct in five minutes. Something. How dare you disrespect me? He sounds uh, frustrated. He sounds upset. 
it doesn't sound as aggressive as some other celebrity freakouts that we've heard in the past. Like, this is no Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not even really. He's just like, this is bull. You're terrible. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. It seems like she was cool with the job until she got fired. She's working for him for 11 years. And now once he said, OK, you're slack and it's over. Now she has a problem with, yeah, the, with the behavior. You're stealing my air miles and you're watching Friends. Yeah. 55 episodes of Friends in four days. <laughs> Which has got to be some sort of world record. <laughs> at least watching at work. Yeah. That's a lot of friends. Uh, it, it is weird, though, that Robert De Niro would talk to her while urinating on the phone. Oh, that's not weird, because I do that, too. But the weird thing is you tell somebody you're yeah. urinating. I always go stealth mode. <laughs> is, that, is that shooting at the side? Or? Yeah, you aim for, aim for the porcelain, <laughs> not the water. Yeah. <laughs> And then when you flush the toilet, you run out of the bathroom yeah. really quick so they don't hear it. <laughs> but am I the only one that talks to? Do you talk to people while you're on the oh, toilet and all the don't time. let them know? I do worse than than number ones. I'll do it all. Nobody's ever called me out on it. Nobody's ever noticed. I'm like honestly, my girlfriend calls me at the same time every day after work, after her work, basically, and that's uh-huh. like my cycle is synced up to it. She has no idea. Every time the phone rings, you have to go number two. Yeah, it's like a Pavlov's dog thing. I just I just know it's time. And she's never said, why are you grunting? Or why does it sound so echoey in there? <laughs> no. Uh, joke's on you, Jim. She's taking a dump, too. <laughs> <laughs> While she's driving down the highway? Talented girl. Yeah, if, you, if, you're, if, if she finds out, it means I wanted her to know. Uh-huh. Just like Robert De Niro probably was making jokes about it or yeah, something. Yeah, well, he wasn't, he, according to his assistant, he would talk to uh, her while urinating and ask her to, quote, imagine me on the toilet. Why? <laughs> it is a funny visual, <laughs> Robert De Niro on the toilet. Yeah, but not if you request it. How dare you <laughs> we'll keep an eye on this lawsuit, let you know what happens. And we'll uh, get into news coming up with Devin Peacock from Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Also, some Comic-Con tickets to give away with Game of Palooza in about 10 minutes. The Taz Show continues in minutes. Want more? Find the Taz Show daily podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get... Big Wreck, Albatross, FM 96. How dare you disrespect me? We're uh, we're talking Robert De Niro and how he used to ask his former assistant to picture him on the toilet. What a weird request! But Jim, it's got it's got us picturing Robert De Niro on the toilet, and I think we figured out what that would be like. Yeah, uh, you've been working on your De Niro on the toilet impression. Mm-hmm. You talking to pee? You taking a pee? Obviously, you taking a pee because one of us is here. You're there. One of us got to be taking a pee. <laughs> That's all I got. It was better two minutes ago. <laughs> I thought we had it. We'll, work, uh, we'll try Ooh. it again. You taking a pee? <laughs> you taking a pee? You taking a pee? What, are you taking a pee? But then what, who the hell's taking a pee? There's only two of us here. You got to be taking a pee. Cause it's <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Dev, what do you got for a Robert De Niro impression? On the toilet. I have nipples. <laughs> Can you, you, want, can you, want, you milk me? You want to milk me? <laughs> I have nipples. And I'm taking a pee. <laughs> what? If you can't picture me on the toilet, you're out of the circle of trust. You you talking to pee? <laughs> you, you talking to pee? 
Okay, yeah. let's do news, guys. The worst let's impression move on. we've we, ever done. Everybody can do De Niro, right? Except us three, yeah, apparently. apparently. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's talking about this Joker movie. There's controversy saying it glorifies violence. It goes too far. Um... Batman's not in it, you know. Everybody's got an opinion. Joker's an incel. We, we haven't talked to anyone who has actually seen the movie until now. Our producer Eric joins us. Hey, Hello. Eric. Hi. You're a big comic book movie guy. I am. Yes. And you got tickets to the opening screening of Joker sure last night. Yep. How was the movie in your eyes? Uh, it was phenomenal. It was uh, unexpected. A lot of twists and turns that I did not uh, uh, even fathom. Mm. Uh, it was. It was. It was more psychological thriller than it was comic book movie. Uh-huh. Good, because I'm kind of sick of the standard yeah. comic book. Oh movie yeah, right this now. this destroys it. It uh, makes it. I'm happy to different. hear this because I was worried that. People were just hyping this movie up too no, much. It's it's really good. Like it's really good because you're hearing uh, Oscar nomination, best picture, maybe uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, may win best actor. But then on the flip side, it's only got sixty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Or is that part of the joke? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good number. That's the kind of chaos yeah. the Joker would be yeah. into. <laughs> It's the kind of movie where I turn to my wife, Chelsea, who has a lot of very good facial expressions, and uh, every once in a while, and every once in a while, all the time in the movie, I'd turn to her, and she'd have this face of, like, pure terror. <laughs> and then the next moment, she'd be, like, smiling. And it, anyway, it was good. It was did really did good. she enjoy the movie as she much as you it. did? She loved it. Yeah. Is, so yeah. this is... This, the, the, I, the ratings on Rotten Tomato make me really mad because they're clearly, I don't know why they're taking this political stance mm. against it, but it reminds me of like the Dave Chappelle yeah. uh, special, which was hilarious, but it only has 30% by the critics the on critics. Rotten Tomatoes. What, what's the audience score on 93%. Rotten Tomatoes? 93%. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I looked up like some Marvel movies that were subpar, like a Captain Marvel. It has seventy eight percent, and I I can't I haven't seen this movie. What's so better, Captain better. Marvel or Joker uh, in your eyes? Okay, well here's the thing. I like psychological thrillers, so I I'm gonna go Joker. I think the reason for it is because Captain Marvel's happy at the end, and and this movie is very sad. It sticks with you. It's so dark. Some of the greatest movies have very bleak endings. Yeah. Yes, I mean it, it's great to see a movie that you think about after you yeah. see it. Oh yeah. That you remember. Joaquin's performance. Phenomenal. So good. Throughout the whole, like, you can see the the, the change and you can see, like, just, uh, it's, it's not like he has. Don't, don't spoil it. But just the, the, you see it in the trailers, like the non-confidence he has, but then he has a bit of confidence here and there and it's like, oh my God. Here we go. Yeah. Wow. Was it's, it, uh, would it inspire, like, is it as bad as people say when it says it could inspire I violence? I was trying to think about that the whole time, and yes and no, just because there's, like, a few scenes where you're like, okay, I can see it, but then you don't necessarily like them. Like, yeah. you do, but not in that sense. Not to, not in, in, like, I don't want to, like, I'd rather take up the Batman mantle and be a, a crazy mil- billionaire and, and fight crime. And fight crime. Right, but this, uh I mean, there's movies like American Psycho where you don't like the lead right. and he's a bad person. Yeah. Taxi driver. You see yes. a guy go down a dark hole. You don't like them. They're a, a, an anti-hero. Similar, but not, not uh, I don't know. I, you don't I can feel s- sorry. In the trailer, You feel I feel sorry yes, for the guy. you definitely feel sorry for him, yes. But at the same time, you're like, I, I mean, it's the Joker. It's, you know, it's a, he's a villain. Highly recommended. Yes. Lives up to the hype. Yes, absolutely. Go see Joker this yeah. weekend. Eric, the producer, loved it. 
That's the Taz Show podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, you can tune in on the radio, 95.9 on the uh, dial in the London area. That's FM 96 or FM 96.com.